0: I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And oh boy, is it still new phone season today. Samsung and Google?
1: Okay, so there's a lot to talk about this week. First and foremost is by far the biggest announcement that we've seen all year really, which is the brand new... Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 5G. Can I talk about that again? Is that okay?
0: It's not a new announcement. We got it in the last one, but you bought one. That's the new announcement is you bought it. This is our (laughs) follow-up.
1: Look, this is the only thing. I mean, look, we're going to talk about like Pixel and Note. Who cares about boring old school phones? I got a brand new Z Flip with my name on it. And this morning I got the shipping. By the time that this podcast goes live, I will probably have ascended to the 5G Z Flip Gang, that doesn't have the same ring to it. Do you even have a 5G plan? I do, actually. So that's actually uh, both of my main plans. So I currently use Google Fi on the Z Flip. Uh, It just works with 5G. It's really no problem. And it's sub 6 as well, which is perfect because I can't get higher than that on the Z Flip. But yes, I should be able to drop my SIM card straight from my Z Flip to the 5G and have no problems.
0: Oh, nice. Well, I'm very excited for you. <laughs> for- for your, your marginally faster phone <laughs> that you're going to get.
1: It's okay. I'm excited that I have less money in my bank account now, because honestly, that was really bugging me. I was like, you know what? I haven't given Samsung quite enough. Yeah, got to get it out of there. I guess they announced some other phones, though. I mean, I don't really care about a Note or something when there's Z flips, but uh, I, I guess Note 20. Yeah, maybe. We're going to talk about the Z Fold
0: 2, which... I think i have just going to mention it now because the name is hilarious to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh, Z Fold. I, I mean, look, I've said Z Flip enough over the last six months that it's kind of starting to burn into my brain. But I don't really totally get why they have the Z brand. Like Galaxy Fold, Galaxy Flip. Like, that seems cleaner. Well, Z is folding, right? Like
0: Z because it like the Z... As I would call it, compresses, you know, like if you look at the actual letter itself, it's like folding, True. you know. Funnily enough, it's like a configuration of fold that Samsung do not have, right? Like a <laughs> it's more like the the Huawei Ooh. phone, like that kind of weird folding in and out. Yeah. But the thing yeah. That I find funny about is I find two things funny about the name. One, it's now got three brands: the Samsung Galaxy Z. And then it's either flip or fold, right? So you've got three tier brand tiers before you get to the name of the phone. Right. So we have Samsung Galaxy Z Flip, Samsung Galaxy Z Fold, but this is called the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Like there was no Z Fold (laughs) one.
1: Oh that's (laughs) a good point. Galaxy Fold to Galaxy Z Fold 2. Okay, well, we are talking about the company who also announced the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G. So I don't yeah. think they're afraid of a couple extra names. Like I, They embraced it. Every name means another $100 they can charge for the phone. Oh that well, all right. I want
0: to talk about the. <laughs> we're going to talk about pretty much everything that that, that Samsung announced. Um, but we should st- actually start about the stuff that is available. The stuff that I think you actually have, right? Like you have yes. the the Note twenty Ultra. Do you have the regular Note twenty? I do not
1: have the regular Note twenty. Right. Just so a Note twenty Ultra. The Ultra Let's start yes. with the
0: Note twenty then, because we we don't have that right, and I think that it's maybe an interesting starting point because I literally cannot understand why this phone exists. Except to just fill a price point, I, I don't get it. It's a thousand dollars. It has a plastic back, which I I find that so egregious, Austin. Like I really <laughs> think that that is unacceptable. Like so, there are other things that they do here which are weird, right? Like there is no high refresh rate screen. It's 1080p at 60 frames per second maximum. Crazy. It has a 30 times zoom, not 50, not 100. But again, like who cares? Like it has a 3x telephoto, which is fine, I guess, because it doesn't have one of the periscope cameras in it. It maxes out 128 gigabytes of storage, which is bananas for a phone that starts at $1,000, that like the maximum. So, like, get the 128. Do you have to pay more than $1,000? Actually, that's
1: a great question. I'm not sure, because the thing with the Note 20 this year is it's actually confusing because there are different 5G models. So, and I'm not entirely sure what's going to be shipping where, but as far as I know, there's a 4G Note 20 and then a 5G Note 20, which is either sub-6 and or maybe even millimeter wave. I know that there's different weights listed for the sub-6 and the millimeter wave. So it's like, I don't even know what, Pricing they're going to charge for the individual 5G models.
0: Just having a quick look around, it looks like they're only selling it in 256, and it's non-expandable. And like I know, like coming from the iPhone world, we don't have we don't have expandable storage. But it's just like it seems very peculiar to me to charge that money and have like this one option. But the plastic back thing just really, it really kind of. It pushes buttons for me in the wrong kind of way. Like everything else I, I, that I don't like about this phone, I can kind of be like, ah, they're bad decisions. Like a 60 frame per second screen, like a 1080p, it's like, okay, that's annoying, but maybe, maybe a lot of your customers won't notice, right? But the plastic back thing, like th- that phone has a weakness point. I cannot wait for the Jerry Ring Everything durability test on this Ooh. phone.
1: Is this phone gonna break? You know, it's gonna be crazy if it actually does better because, like, the plastic doesn't shatter the way that the glass could. It well, actually might be interesting. I know, but, like, so, like, you know, uh,
0: Zach at Jarek, everything, like, he I, he just did the, the Nord, and the Nord broke because it's plastic. So it didn't have the, like, integrity. I just think $1,000, you expect a certain level of, of premium, and I'm just not sure that this phone is delivering
1: on that. It's not. It just is not. Now, of course, we don't have the phone in our hands right now. But if you look at the Note 20, even compared to something like the Galaxy S20, which technically is the same price, the base model, although you, generally speaking, can find it for a decent bit of a discount right now. So you have a 1080p 60 hertz display compared to 1440p 120, right? What's the size of the screen on the regular S20? So the standard Galaxy S20 has a 6.2-inch display, whereas the base Note 20 has a 6.7. So it is a smaller phone, but the S20 really shares a lot with that base Note 20, right? So it has pretty much the same array of cameras. I believe that the Note has a slightly more zoomed-in telephoto. Right. So instead of being, oh, actually, no, you know what? I'm a complete liar. They're the exact same, literally across the board, ultra-wide, wide, and telephoto. How dare
0: you <laughs> mislead the test drivers audience? <laughs> <laughs> disgraceful like- Austin.
1: I, I just don't understand why the Note 20 exists at the price it is.
0: They just shouldn't have made they just shouldn't have made it. They should just they should have just made the Note 20 Ultra
1: and that should have just been the note. Right now, this is not a completely fair comparison, but right now, if I want to purchase the Galaxy S twenty, I can buy it for seven hundred dollars on Amazon right now. It is a phone which is a few months old, to be clear. But I would say, spec-wise, is at least on par with the Note 20. And in some ways, like the screen, is significantly better. Sure, it doesn't have the S Pen. Sure, it's a little bit smaller. But that is crazy town. Crazy town. How much
0: of a selling point is the S Pen?
1: Okay, so I... Have actually not, in full disclosure, I have not used as my exclusive daily driver a Galaxy Note since the Note 2. I did use the Note 5 for maybe like a month or so, and I've sort of used all of the Notes sort of in between, sort of as like sort of review samples and whatnot. But as far as actually setting up living in the device full time, it's been a long time. And the only reason, even back then with the Note 2 that I switched over to it, was because at the time, that was the biggest screen you could get on any phone, pretty much, period. And that was something I was really interested in. Yeah,
0: because that was Notes the Note thing, right? Like, that's where the phablet name came from. And the Note, really, without the Galaxy Note, we may not have phones the size that we do today. Like, it was, Samsung were really pushing the envelope as to what uh, the size of a phone was at that time. And many people laughed at it the same way that many people laugh at foldable phones now, right? But, like, I believe, as you believe, right, it's obvious in the show, like, that Samsung are continuing to innovate here and are doing it better than anybody else when it comes to folding in the way that they did with screen sizes. But I just think that the S Pen, like, I am convinced that there are many people who are, like, devoted Note users who use the S Pen. Like I'm sure of that. But really, for the Note 20 over the S20, you've got to want the S Pen so bad that you're willing to take a worse phone for more money. Yeah, that's a tough sell. And I'm not sure that that there are that many people that would want that. And my expectation would be that people that really love the Note line, the Note 20 Ultra is the one that they would want. I mean it starts at thirteen hundred dollars, which is unbelievable that we're at getting to these <laughs> levels now, and that's just normal for what a phone costs. but you know, like I do, I completely understand the argument that we've spoken about on this show before of like our phones are so much more now than they've ever been, they are everything in our lives right they they're everybody's main computers you know, they do so much, they unlock so much thing of the world to us, right? Like your smartphone at this point, like we're getting high concept here, is almost like an extension of you, right? Like yeah. it is an important tool in many cultures, like in, in in the world these days. So like I understand that like, You want to keep putting new features in them and you'll drive the price up because in theory you keep making them better. But $1,300 is a lot of money. I actually surprised because I thought it was going to be more, Um, but it's still a lot of money. But for that money, you get a decent package here, right? So the camera looks good. Um, The the screen is 6.9 inches. And they've really made the most of that. Like, it looks fantastic in the body, right? It's like no bezels. It really Mm -hmm. looks great. They've achieved a 9 millisecond latency on the S Pen, which is the same as the Apple Pencil and the iPad Pro, which I think is technically quite a feat from Samsung to achieve that. Um, Not just in the the Note package, but at all, right? Like, Apple seemed to put a lot more emphasis on that as a thing for them. Um, And I can imagine it was really difficult to get that to work, but they've done it. Uh, but like but then you know i i think some of the decisions that samsung are making like around the cameras i think are making the experience of the phone worse like i think that the camera bump is egregious Uh,
1: okay so i've kind of so to be clear as of recording this i've only had the note 20 for a little over 24 hours so it's still early but My first impression was like, oh, my God, this camera bump is massive. Like, I mean, I don't know. I probably should measure it. It looks like it's maybe a third of the thickness of the phone. Like, it Mm -hmm. is huge. It is by far the biggest camera bump I've ever seen. Now, to be fair, it's not all bad. So the actual size of the phone means that, like, it actually doesn't get in my way when I'm using the phone. So, like, my hand sits underneath the bump when I'm holding it normally. If I rotate it over to be landscape, it actually sort of serves as, like, a little rest for my finger to kind of sit on. It's not that bad, but the problem is when you stick it in your pocket, you got this huge bulge, which is not um the most flattering thing. And on top of that, when you set it down on a table, I'm actually here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. This is a bad idea. Can you hear this? That's the sound of me touching the note because it is so lopsided with that huge, huge camera bump. And like I understand the idea
0: of like how often do people use their phones flat on their desks? But my thing is not... All right, so I want to be... like Again, I'm thinking about this as an actual user of devices, right? It's not that the camera bump makes it wobbly. How thick is it going to make the case that you put on your phone?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Then how thick does that make your phone?
1: Yep, exactly. So the other aspect of this is, of course, that S Pen, which, look, I am... Obviously not someone who uses the S Pen that often, but I assume if I'm constantly making notes and really enjoying my note, I might want to leave it flat on a table and try to write on it, but it is almost impossible because the phone rocks so much as soon as you get anywhere near the left corner with the S Pen. Mm. Now, uh, look, I, I talked a little bit about this in the This Is video we did. Yeah, I do think that camera bumps are getting bigger and they're getting bigger for a reason There are larger sensors, so this has the same 108 megapixel, just under one inch sensor from the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Uh, Supposedly, they've made some changes to the autofocus and whatnot. I haven't had time to actually put them side by side, but it's similar, right? It's obviously Mm. very similar. It's a huge sensor. It is almost the same size as what you would get in something like a Sony RX100, which is very impressive, but when you have these huge sensors, you have a lot of glass in front of it, it just means that the cameras have to be thick. And on top of that, the Periscope Zoom, which again is very similar to what you get on the S20 Ultra, is okay. an entire camera sensor and lens flipped on its side inside the phone, which means that you're, by definition, you have to have a thick boy, right? There's no way to fit a Periscope Zoom like that.
0: What's adding to the thickness? Do you know? Is it is it the Periscope or is it the main shooter that adds the majority to thickness or is it much and much the same?
1: It's both. I would guess that it's probably the periscope but also i think because the periscope means that they have to have a big camera bump they're like you know what we might as well go with a big sensor and a big lens for the main camera because we have the space
0: because i just wonder if the periscope lenses are worth it for (sighs) the camera bumps that we're seeing in these phones because the periscope lens what does it enable you to do realistically is it just the Like, what is it, 50 times zoom on the Note Ultra? Or is it also doing like the 2x, 3x, 5x optical?
1: So, unlike with the S20 Ultra, even though it's essentially, as far as I know, very similar, if not identical hardware, it no longer is 100 times space zoom. They Mm -hmm. limit you to 50 times, but almost entirely that is sort of digital zoom. So, if you want to use it like raw, native, just like a normal zoom lens, it is a 4x zoom lens. That being said, though, you do have – it's a fairly high megapixel sensor, and you are able to sort of punch in digitally, and they do some sensor fusion and whatnot to try to get you the best image quality possible. I'd say it actually holds up pretty well up to about 10x zoom. Beyond that, it's sort of more of a novelty. You can get something, but it's not going to be like a nice-looking photo. It's more like, oh, hey, I'm zooming in to show off to my friend, Right. That being said, though, I mean, it is a real advantage over something like a 2X telephoto on the iPhone. Mm. Now, mind you, you do lose. So there's essentially an ultra wide, the standard uh, camera, and then you have the 4X. So you actually lose anything in the middle. But because the sensor is so big and because it's so high megapixel, punching into like 2X actually isn't that bad. You don't get that same sort of field of view, right? Yeah. So it's, you don't actually get that sort of portraity looking lens that you get on the iPhone. But 2X is actually totally usable on it. And going up to four, I do think, gives you some real advantage. So I'm not a huge fan of the camera bump, but I do think that that is a real selling point. Of this is probably the best zoom lens I've ever used on a phone. And it, it, it does deliver. Like, I mean, it is legitimately impressive how close you can zoom in and how good the stabilization is on a photo from a smartphone.
0: I just say, like, I'm looking at pictures of it now with the bronze and the design. They nailed the design of this phone. Yes, yes. It is one of, like, the most premium-looking phones that I have seen and so it's like this is kind of another reason why uh, I'm doing it again. I'm so annoyed about the note 20 and like the plastic back because they've put mm-hmm. all this effort into really making something that looks so premium and then they charge you a premium price for the for the, even that model and it doesn't come with the materials that you would expect. But anyway, but going back to the to the Ultra like it looks fantastic. I I like that they I like what they did with the camera array itself like Um, As you were saying, like like on the iPhone, right, making the lenses all look the same Mm -hmm. size—it's—it's a nicer look that, like, them being the same size and shape than they had on the S twenty with like the circles and the rectangle. Like, it looked a bit
1: weird. I like the feel of the note, right? So it's Mm. actually got this sort of matte glass finish, which feels excellent. Also, something I'm really curious about once it goes through the Jerry rig everything test. This is, as far as I know, the first phone with a new generation of Gorilla Glass. And while I'm not going to scratch up my Samsung review loaner to, to find out if it really does have deeper grooves at a level seven, but I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't I would be surprised given that they've made a lot of sort of hype around this is sort mm-hmm. of the best Gorilla Glass yet. This is at the very least, it is an improvement. And of course, that Gorilla Glass, I think it's like Invictus or something. I think they have some weird name for it. But the Gorilla Glass on the Note 20 Ultra doesn't apply on the note 20 it just has standard old gorilla glass so it's just like I'm
0: assuming that whatever this glass is we'll also see it on the iphone this year
1: probably well
0: uh, apple they've invested a bunch of money into corning a couple of years ago
1: there's no way they don't get the latest and greatest Mm -hmm. of whatever this is if it in fact is better but uh, i mean look pretty consistently corning is able to make better and better glass that's less scratch resistant or more scratch resistant or more, I keep wanting to say more breakable, but probably less breakable would probably be what they're actually going for. <laughs>
0: less breakable is
1: what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, don't. you should never be in charge of glass <laughs> manufacture.
1: Guys, I think it's a little too good this year. I think we can save a little bit of money. Just uh, water it down. It'll be fine.
0: Let's put a plastic back on it. That, that was showing.
1: Oh! <laughs> Oof. Oof. I felt that one.
0: So what, when is this thing available? Is it a couple of weeks' time?
1: So it goes on sale on August 21st. So that is for both the Galaxy Note 20 as well as the huh. Note 20 Ultra. Um, Okay, so I like the Note 20 Ultra a lot. And like you were saying, even though it is $1,300 and I can't believe I'm about to say this with a straight face, I don't think it's actually as expensive as it could have been, right? It is $100 cheaper than the S20 Ultra when it launched. And in pretty much all ways, it is equivalent, if not better. The design is fantastic. The amount of bezels that this phone does not have is crazy. I mean, it is Mm. such a minimal, minimal bezel. I mean, this is all phone, tiny, tiny hole punch, very premium feel. I think Samsung, this is actually my favorite implementation of the curved display. So it is a curved front, but it's sort of, it's not very symmetrical, but that's a good thing. So like if you're looking at the side of the phone, it's obviously hard to describe in a podcast, but I'd say maybe 30% of the phone of the curve is on the screen. Then you have your little kind of like ridge for the actual frame of the phone. And then the back glass is curved much more. To me, that's a really nice sort of usability thing because I'm never a huge fan of curved glass screens because I feel like I'm always sort of accidentally touching things Mm. but with this it's a subtle enough sort of taper i suppose around the screen that it works well and doesn't really get in your way when you're using the phone but you also have the very nicely wrapped around back glass which means that it fits well in your hand and it's not super slippery especially considering that it's matte the design is I, i don't think it's a wild thing to say this might be the nicest piece of hardware that i've ever used period it is incredibly, incredibly premium. And I have essentially, besides the huge camera bump, no complaints about the way that they've built this Note 20 Ultra. This episode of the Test Drivers is brought to
0: you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? Does your website have a shopping cart, registration form, or a contact us page? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need Pingdom because nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. This means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up a transaction monitoring with Pingdom. It will alert you when your cart checkout, your forms, or login pages fail before you This affects your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment that any of these fail, anytime there's any problem, in whatever way works best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted, depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes you'll be the first to know. It's so easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code test drivers at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it wasn't all phones from uh, Samsung because this is part of their unpacked... Uh, I actually... Um, um, uh, gonna be all truth here i didn't watch the event i watched a bunch of recaps
1: (laughs) that was a good call my friend yeah i mean look i'm not gonna hate on obviously these are difficult times to pull off a a really smooth well-running entertaining event but um it it was a little uh cringy as the kids say it was Mm. a little bit rough at times i never
0: watched full samsung events anyway because I don't like Samsung's marketing model that they do where as soon as their event starts, they immediately want to push you to somewhere else. So like as yeah. soon as their event starts, that's when the goes up for any hands-on. So as soon as their event starts, really what I'm going to go and do is watch the videos from some of my favorite YouTubers instead. Yep. And then what I'll then do is wait until it's over uh, I'll watch, like uh, The Verge do, do great recaps where they basically take the entire thing and cut it down into nine minutes. I watched that and then went back and watched the sections of the the keynote itself that I cared about the most. It's like I never watch a full Samsung uh, event because I think that most of the time too long. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't actually want to watch all of it. Um, mm-hmm. And also they they are immediately trying to take my uh, attention somewhere
1: else, which I find kind of quite peculiar it's crazy because typically the way samsung do their events is that they'll have some kind of pre-briefing maybe a week a few days beforehand where we'll be able to get sort of like hands-on and shoot our videos Mm. and you're right the embargo will be like 10 oh one and the event starts at 10 so it's like right as the event starts and everyone's sitting down to watch it boom there's 10 videos in your sub feed i don't understand why that is why they don't just push it to oh hey post your video after the event goes live. But yeah. I will say that the events are fun to watch in person. They usually have these ridiculous displays, like I, especially the last couple that they've done. Yes. Now, it's a like the entire stage is like this huge wraparound display. It is a real spectacle when you're watching it in person. But I've been to my fair share of Samsung events Hits and misses, sometimes uh, better decisions have been made than others. But regardless, they did have a lot to show here. So on top of the Note 20, as well as the Note 20 Ultra, they did announce a new Tab S7. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was actually not that long ago we talked about the Tab S6 when I went on my... um, my Dex Vision Quest. Everything Samsung. (laughs) The the new S7 is a big step forward. Uh, It does have the Snapdragon 865. You do probably most importantly have a 120 hertz display. So the S7 and the S7 Plus are much more on par with the iPad and they're OLED too. So very nice displays. They both also have 5G. They have the same 9 millisecond S Pen latency that you get from the Note. Honestly, pretty impressive. And I think it, it may not, alleviate the core issues that i had with the s6 but like the keyboards have been improved trackpads have been improved like a lot of small but noticeable upgrades there's also the galaxy watch 3 which i know you're probably not going to be dropping your cash on i think you probably upgraded a little bit in the the mechanical life look i will
0: say like visually i have always enjoy samsung's watches yeah i actually think that they make some of the better i mean it's like all of their stuff like they make really good stuff and i think that the galaxy watch is the closest to looking like a real watch which i enjoy
1: yeah and they did a good job this time around right yeah. like so they've actually blended their active and the normal watch lines so they do have a titanium version of the watch 3, which i'm sure is going to be very affordable <laughs> But mm. it's 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 a nice upgrade. There are a few things that kind of move that watch forward. But I think what was more exciting to me on the accessories side are the new Galaxy Buds Live. The beans, right? Like this is the <laughs> meme. Yes, about these. Okay, Look, okay. Before we make fun of them for looking like beans, I actually want to give Samsung some props. Everyone has just shamelessly ripped off AirPods to a large degree. I mean, you look at something okay. like the OnePlus Buds, sure. which are good headphones, right? They're good headphones. They're a good price. But they look exactly like AirPods, right? And I think history is shown that
0: Samsung are not above ripping off, right? As Absolutely. Well. So on the I, I will give side- them props like you are that like they've gone ahead and made something different.
1: Even the last couple of years, I mean, I really like using the Galaxy Buds and the Buds Plus. I think sure. that it's a different design. They fit really well. They sound good. They have killer battery life, the wireless charging in the case. Like, I mean, there's a lot going for those Galaxy Buds, especially because you could buy the Galaxy Buds Plus. I think they're technically like $150, $160, but like they're on sale for like $120, $130 all the time. Love them. Honestly, the headphones I use most with maybe AirPods being a a second. But the Galaxy Buds Live are a completely different concept. So they do now have active noise cancellation. The only downside is that it's a open type of noise cancellation. So instead of having rubber tips, they're more meant to kind of like fit in your ears. They have like little like wing tips to hold themselves in, but essentially it's meant to sort of drown out some of the bass frequencies, like sort of the droning of a plane or something, while still allowing you to hear, you know, announcements and, and people talking to you. I don't have the buds yet. So these are, I think, actually coming in tomorrow or the next day. So I'll have them fairly shortly, but I think it's a very interesting design. And on top of that, they're $169. So yeah. not super expensive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen some reviews and they're pretty mixed. So like, it sounds good. The active noise cancellation isn't that great. But the battery life is good. And, they, you know, so they sound pretty well. I would be really keen when you do get these in, like, realistically, how easy are they to get out of your ears? Because mm-hmm. it looks like that they would be trickier. There doesn't look like there's anything to grab onto as such to, like, take it out of yeah. your ear. Yeah. So like I'm kind of keen to to understand what that experience is like. Like most other even you know, even the Galaxy buds, you could kind of grab them by the little part that yeah. sticks out, right? They've got like a little small like circle or a disc, you could call it maybe on the outside that you kind of grab them with. Right? Because it's mm-hmm. like it's sticking out of your ear more. But this looks like it kind of kind of just goes in. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit 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 weird. I do like the look of them though.
1: I feel like I every, know. I mean, the buds are probably the closest, but like pretty much all Bluetooth headphones that are fully wireless are uh, samey looking. These look totally different. They're much more flush in your ear. You have more colors. Um, I- I'm very interested to see. And supposedly they do sound pretty good. They have like three different microphones. Uh, you have like accelerometer. Like There's a bunch of stuff that's built in that theoretically will make them good they still have wireless charging in the case which is an absolute sort of killer feature for me i am always though with any pair of fully wireless earbuds my main test is does it fit in your little like coin pocket in your jeans that's always my test if it doesn't fit there instant fail i don't want them
0: i never put anything in that pocket
1: dude it's perfect it's perfect (laughs) for airpods Buds. my
0: phone goes in that pocket like the big pocket, not the little pocket, right? Because usually the the coin pocket's on the right hand side, and that's where my phone goes, and I don't want anything getting in the way. Um, the, the the buds live in the ear. They they almost look like a hearing aid. It's not like I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but that's they look more like that than they do earphones. True. Well, I think it's the beige color. That kind of sort of pushes it a little bit over the edge there. That, I, you know what, I, that, I bet that's part of it for sure, because they're showing off the bronze, the bronze, so like it's meant to look, but like, you know, like a, a, a hearing aid or even something that you would wear um, if you were doing TV or, or you, you know, like yeah. you had that kind of like in-ear thing. It looks a little bit more like that than typical earphones and I think that maybe it's potentially Samsung taking design cues from somewhere else like a perfectly valid you know like the people mm-hmm. this is you know hearing aids have to be comfortable over long periods of time um, and yeah. so maybe there's like a, a part of that to it but like it definitely reminds me more of
1: like a hearing aid than an AirPod. Yeah I, I'll be curious I really want to try these my expectation is I'm probably going to like them a lot. I really like the way they look. I like having a little bit of ANC. I don't really care that much. I, I want to know how well they fit for long periods. I feel like over the last six months or so, I used to be someone who like would put in like headphones for you know, 30 minutes, an hour at a time, but I wouldn't really actually walk around with like one earbud in very often. But lately I've been finding myself more and more often just walking around in my day to day life with at least one earbud in, even if I'm not always listening to something, but just sort of having that available. And I like the idea of having something which is a little bit more open. that's not sort of completely closing me off to the outside world. So yeah, we're in different camps there. Oh, really? How, wait, so
0: how do you do it? Well, I mean, I'm I'm wearing my AirPods Pro a lot and just having noise cancellation on. I mean, this is oh. this has been an effect of like being locked down more. Mm-hmm. You know, it could like so for example at home, like it can allow me and my wife to kind of live our own lives a bit more independently, rather than True. being concerned about one disrupting the other because we could just put our AirPods on, just turn on noise cancellation, and it just gives you that little bit more like audio buffer from other people in your life.
1: Well, so regardless. The Buds Live are sort of low-key one of the products I'm most excited to try, Uh, especially with that clean new Z Flip 5G. I feel like it'll be a great combination. (laughs) Can we talk about... I mean, I don't know.
0: This is definitely going to be something I want to come back to. Android apps on Windows via Samsung devices. Yo,
1: yeah. what was that?
0: (laughs) Right, like, this is wild. Like, it is fascinating to see Samsung and Microsoft in such close collaboration It makes a lot of sense for those two companies because they're kind of plugging holes that each other has. But Mm -hmm. even though Microsoft are in the phone-making game again, I guess apparently maybe at some point, and Samsung make PCs, the the, the dominant players in each field that they reside in is in the inverse, right? Like Samsung have the phone market, Microsoft have the PC market. So it behooves them both to find ways to work together because basically like the, with a lot of the stuff that they're doing between Samsung and Microsoft they are creating competition to what Apple's doing absolutely they're giving you a more rounded experience phone calls messages on your PC and then also giving you apps on your PC from your devices and you know doing things differently to what Apple's doing but i think in some ways more
1: interesting So when I was spending time in the Samsung ecosystem, I was impressed with how good the integration between the Samsung laptop side as well as the phone side really is. Obviously, part of that is just the fact that Windows does generally work pretty well with Android. But some of the stuff that Samsung has built on top of that truly hand things over. And especially with this new initiative to try to bring more of the actual Android apps Onto Windows, and you see things like wireless decks with like Miracast. Like they're doing a lot to kind of push the envelope, and it seems like it's a complete no-brainer, right? I mean, like you said, Samsung and Microsoft are in their respective fields, either number one if you look at their sort of main dominance on the mobile side or the PC side. But if you flip it, they both kind of need each other to sort of pull themselves up, right? Because you look at it from Samsung's perspective, and there have been a lot of rumors lately that they're currently, like, renegotiating a deal with Google as far as how much they're going to push Google services versus their own native Samsung, like, Bixby and Galaxy Store and whatnot. It makes sense to say, like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, we'll be talking to you, Google. You know, obviously we need you for Android. But, uh, hey, Microsoft, how uh, are you doing?
0: And it is kind of hilarious, really, like, because they're all talking about this. Google never gets mentioned, you know, like <laughs> Google is ignored in all of this. When you got to pay to play. It's it's very funny, right? Like, it's like, oh, the power of Samsung and the power of Microsoft coming together. But let's forget about the fact that Google's in the middle.
1: <laughs> Google's like, hey, wait, what about us?
0: We made your operating system. It really shows, I think, honestly, a a failing on uh, Google's part with Android. They let Android slip away from them. And, you know, Mm. you can say that that was a positive or a negative. I think there's two different timelines, and we don't know what would have happened with the other one. But Mm -hmm. they, you know, they really... Like, Samsung doesn't, quote-unquote, need Google in the same way that Google needs Samsung,
1: I think, at this point. It's easy to forget... Samsung has been building their own operating system for years, Tizen. And that's what all the smart stuff were, uh, like the exactly. the watches and all that run
0: on Tizen, don't they? Mm-hmm. I think they would struggle though still um if if they yeah. were like if they had to pull a Huawei, you know, yeah. and say like oh no, it's our own store now. I think I think that would be that'd be difficult.
1: It's crazy though that Google's main sort of leverage isn't the operating system is it's literally just the fact that oh it's yeah, we store. have the Play Store. That's it. That's it. That's the whole thing that they have. So obviously they need to be very protective of that.
0: I mean, and they continue to be, and they continue to do interesting things, right? How, like, so much of the the system of Android is powered by the Play Store now. It's doing this kind of Mm -hmm. inside-out, right? Where it's like, well, now we update parts of the system. You know what? Something about about talking about Android, talking about the operating system, that uh, Samsung kept hammering home three years of support, three years of support on these devices. I'm really pleased to see them start to actually really focus on that as a selling point, because it's important.
1: They've had a bit of a spotty track record as well, especially with some of the specific carrier models. Like even not that long ago, like two, three years ago, they Mm -hmm. would have like huge, like technically you would get like, you know, a year, year and a half of update. But you may get those updates six months, 12 months after the Pixel did. Like they were not doing a particularly great job.
0: Have they committed to timelines though with this three year updates?
1: They were a little vague. Um, I don't know if they've gone on record as being anything that's more specific. I also don't know if they're talking about operating system updates, as in, like, full Android updates versus security updates. Mm. My thought is it's probably more on the security updates, because I know with Pixels, they generally promise two years of operating updates, so, like, full, like, Android, you know, 10 11 12 or whatever but they'll give you three years of security updates which i don't think is a completely crazy sort of compromise and i know that google specifically with the pixel line they have gone above and beyond that already with some of the early Mm -hmm. pixels so it's probably a little bit more than that but it is good to see samsung kind of stepping it up because look if I'm spending $1,300 on a Note 20 Ultra, if I'm spending fourteen or $1,500 on a Z Flip, you better believe I want my updates. I don't want this thing to be out of date in a year. Like, are you kidding me?
0: It's, I mean, and there's two parts to that where it's like it's, if you're going to keep it for multiple years or if you plan to resell it, you want to be confident that the phone's going to continue to get its updates so it retains its value.
1: And speaking of value, how about... Uh... A little price tag on that Galaxy Z Fold 2. Imagine you drop b- what two grand or whatever this thing ends up costing, and you're like, oh yeah, updates? mm,
0: Nah. Yeah, let <laughs> me run through some run through some of the stuff going with the Z Fold 2. Um, they've basically taken every complaint and have addressed it in some way, right? Where
1: that's the way to bring out a new product. Yeah. Hey, you complained about some th- some things. Uh, okay, we'll fix that. Here you go.
0: And they even in the 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 announcement showed like videos from various YouTubers, right, about the issues that they had, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But they had... The the overall package is thinner, um, even though I think the phone is larger in every dimension. It's a 6.2-inch outer screen, a 7.6-inch inner screen, which is a 120-hertz display. Oh, so good. Um, It has less of an air gap in between. Uh, They really hammered home that the whole thing is stronger. It's now made out of the flexible glass that we see in the Z Flip, which... Look, we can both attest to this. That's legit, right? Like mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, they have a quote-unquote new. I mean, I guess like more new hinge. They keep the, the hinge keeps being new. I don't know how new it is, but <laughs> they improve upon it. Um, no pricing information at all. Uh, more details on September first. They've refined the camera technology in this phone in the sense of there's not twenty of them. There were too many cameras on the original fold. Um, yeah, and, and they've they've really like they've made a better job there of like you know you've got good cameras on the outside and then you've got a whole bunch of camera on the inside. Um, it, you know, there's like three cameras on the inside of the original fold. It was too much, and they had to take that huge corner notch out of it, and now it's the infinity O display. Uh, more details on September first. Uh, I'm in, assuming that will be availability and the reveal of what will be. I mean, it's got
1: to be 2000,
0: <laughs> starting 2000, oh. right?
1: I mean, you look at the Z Flip 5G being more expensive than the 4G. I don't think this is the year where we see cheaper folding phones. I think I may no. have said that uh, a few months ago. Uh, I would like to formally rescind that statement. I was wrong. We're yep. about to spend a whole lot of money on Flippy Boys. Yeah, it's like, look, if they're
0: charging 1300 for the Note, like this has got pretty much everything the Note's got, and also it's got a folding screen on the inside. I'm really keen to see what that 6.2 inch outer screen is actually like because I mean I think the aspect ratio still makes it still looks tall very tall 25 by 9 so I'm I'm keen to know how that feels but I can only
1: assume it's better in every way than the phone it's replacing. Also the interesting thing so that front display it's 6.2 inches so it's 2260 by 816 but if you look at it compared to, say, the Z Flip, the Z Flip is a 6.7-inch display that is not that much larger when you fully unfold it, right? I mean, you got to think about the Z Flip because before, it was a pretty small outer screen, right? I think it was like it was four or five inches on the original fold. So you look at the Flip now, and because they've really stretched that screen out, my thought is that that's probably going to be far more usable. Like, Oh, it's got it's to be. Like, you can. It's not like you're squeezing like an app or something. Like you could really comfortably use it. The aspect ratio, I do think, is going to be weird. Some apps are going to be very unhappy. I think about my problems with Instagram on the Z Flip right now, and you throw a twenty five by nine mm-hmm. display at mm-hmm. it, it, stories are going to be ridiculous looking. But I do. I really appreciate anything that makes that more useful. But I just can't. Like I know it was rumored. I know we were getting excited for it. But I can't believe they were able to pull off a. 120 hertz 7.6 inch display on the inside like that's i can't fathom that that that, it really like
0: i mean i'm looking at the website now yeah i do a good job of the animations or whatever but this looks really
1: really nice oh Oh. mike i i look look okay i'm a z flip gang member proudly i'm not Throwing my Z Flip in the garbage, I'm not going to be tempted over by the Fold. I'll just say it right now. I currently have no plans whatsoever to buy this new Fold. This is, look, I
0: even think even even in the perfect scenario, which it seems like they've got a the best case at the moment, this is just not as usable as the Z Flip is going to be on a daily basis. I, I, I cannot. I just cannot assume that to be the case.
1: There's no way it's so it's bigger. Like you were saying earlier, it's pretty much bigger in every dimension. So it's heavier than the fold. It is thicker. So it's like one or two millimeters thicker. There's a lot more to it. And obviously it looks to be incredible, right? And if you really want one device to do it all, it's hard for me to imagine something which is going to be a better all around phone than that fold you've got the great display you've got well the two great displays you've got similar cameras to the s20 so unlike the z flip which is still a little bit behind on that Mm. front it looks like they've upgraded at least the main wide angle sensor so the normal 12 megapixel like 26 millimeter lens or whatever that looks like it's from the s20 and not the s10 and sort of the older style that they had been using before you get the telephoto you get the ultra wide you get a lot of that stuff but importantly it doesn't seem like you have those huge compromises but Look, man, I, I'm I'm just saying that price is about to hit me hard, and yeah. I'm just looking at my Z Flip. I'm like, it's so much smaller. Like, I love the Z Flip because it is so much more of a pocketable, reasonable size to carry all day. And that fold, while it's great if you want a portable tablet, isn't a small phone by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's
0: it's un. It, I expect it to to feel unwieldy. I'm I'm keen to see I'm, I'm you know I'm keen to see exactly what Samsung have really been able to pull off with this one. Uh, it definitely looks much more like oh this is this is what the first one should have been, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? There's always a Gen One product, right? You yep. always have to do that sort of initial test. You've got to. Maybe the uh, the fold had a little bit of a rough initial test with some of the issues.
0: The the roughest. Mm. It's about as yeah. bad as it could have gotten. Is how bad it went. But I will say, you know, like, but this is what I do like about Samsung is they are willing to go to these places that other companies are not in the sense of like, we're going to just try this. And I think a lot of companies at their level won't do that.
1: Look, I think it's hard to imagine as much as I am a biased person in this particular case, I think it's hard to imagine the Z Fold 2 not being the most exciting and ultimately probably one of the most important phones of 2020 the way that they've pushed that design forward, I mean, the difference between the Fold 1 and the Fold 2, in my opinion, is crazy town. I Like, that's such a huge, huge leap forward. And uh, it's tough, man. It's tough because, like, I want that Fold 2. I, I, I didn't actually care that much about the first Fold. I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of cool, but eh, it's compromised, blah, blah, blah. This Fold 2 looks amazing, but I just can't, bring myself to go to a phone that is that massive like it just i can't wrap my head around it but i think we're going to look back on 2020 and go oh yeah look at all these great phones remember that fold too though this episode of the test drivers is brought to you
0: by sync up a OneDrive podcast i love finding new podcasts i love making podcasts but i love listening to them more and i love finding new stuff to help me learn new things or if i have a new interest i feel like i can always find a podcast for it. And if you're looking for something new to listen to, SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents, work from anywhere, which is great. We all want to know how to work from anywhere right now. And you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too if that kind of stuff sparks your interest. Every episode covers a dedicated topic with guest interviews. They include news and announcements and a special topic outside of the technology norm. That's the stuff that I've been enjoying. I've checked out some of the episodes. I like that they give you kind of some practical ways to to use their products and services, how you can implement them in your own life. But also give you background as to how they think stuff through, whether it's to help you get on top of your work projects or how you could apply it to your gardening habit. It kind of covers the whole gamut. So like, I think you want to go and check it out. They've even talked about empowering Mac users, which have I am one. And I think that's always important with change in management, product adoption, with stories about customer success, personal vaults, file sharing. So, so much more. Go check it out right now. Just search for SyncUp wherever you get your podcasts. That's S Y N C U P, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to SyncUp from Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now, the Google Pixel 4a. Ooh, this is interesting. Like, feels like the. Okay, as a package, this phone. Seems great, but it
1: feels like it's too light. This is a phone that almost definitely was heavily delayed. So the Pixel 3a came out at Google I.O. last year. I have no doubt that the Pixel 4a was meant to be in that kind of time frame. Obviously, things being the way they are, it got delayed by a couple months or something. But but Mike, I actually really love this Pixel 4a. It's a weird time because this has really been the year. Last year was kind of the beginning of sort of the the low to mid-range smartphone market really heating up. So we had the Pixel 3a, which was really revolutionary in a lot of ways, bringing that camera and bringing a lot of the good Pixel features down in a way that really hadn't been done in years. But this year we have not only the iPhone SE 2, which I think is still $400, an incredibly good value of a phone in a lot of ways, even though it has some fairly large compromises and then of course we have the oneplus nord which it seems like it was so long ago at this point but it was like <laughs> a couple of weeks ago that brings 90 hertz and 5g and all these kind of crazy high-end features great camera and whatnot great display and it comes in at like 450 dollars, right so You look at the Pixel 4a in that sort of sense. If this phone had launched a couple months ago, I think it would look like an absolute slam dunk. Now, I still think the Pixel 4a is sort of the best of these three phones for a lot of people. But it doesn't quite have that same sort of shine that it would have if they would have been launching this in like May or June.
0: Yeah, I feel like that it would have gotten more attention and maybe would have had less stuff to compare it to. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's 350 um, but it would have come before the SE, which, you know, I think the iPhone SE really surprised people. But for me, I mean, you can maybe try and convince me otherwise, but if I was in this market, I would maybe be more interested in the Nord than I would be the 4A.
1: Okay, so, uh, yeah, th- there's a lot to break down here. I, I do want to start out by saying that, why, when we're looking at the crazy high-end flagships, that are like, oh, $13, $14, $1,500, $50 to $100 might not make a huge difference. But going from $350 to $400 to $450, I do think is actually pretty meaningful in this market. So just with that being said, the Pixel 4a being on the the cheaper end, you do have some major things going for it. So it does have the same excellent camera from the Pixel 4 as well as the... Pixel 3 and the 3A. But regardless, one of, if not the very best cameras on any smartphone right now, sure, it doesn't quite have that huge sensor and some of the crazy megapixel counts from stuff like the S20 Ultra. It doesn't quite have, it's more of a personal preference thing, but it does generally, it's a little bit more like heavily processed than a lot of stuff that you get on the iPhone, which in some shots looks nice and some shots looks a little bit aggressive. But that being said, if you have seen images from a Pixel, you know what you're getting. It is a very detailed, very processed, very nice-looking image, but it's maybe not quite uh, as—I always kind of struggle with, like, natural, because I feel like Pixel just kind of slightly oversharpens things and kind of cranks things up. But regardless, $350, the best phone camera you can buy, period, and I think it is in a league of its own compared to something like the iPhone SE or the Nord Mind you, like the iPhone SE, it is only a single rear camera, so you don't have the ultra-wide, you don't have any kind of telephoto or anything like that, which is a bit of an advantage for the Nord. Although, if I'm being completely real, the Nord has a... Okay, telephoto and then like depth sensor and a macro camera, both of which are totally useless. Now, the design actually, I really like. So it is entirely plastic. There's no color options like before. It's just one single skew, but it feels really nice. And it's funny that we're talking about that Note 20 and having the plastic back. I'm like, oh, it sucks at $1,000. But at $350, especially with the sort of matte feel, it actually, I think, really is pretty nice in the hand.
0: Interesting.
1: It's got a headphone jack and stereo speakers that's pretty good stereo speakers more
0: than i mean the headphone jack i'm personally is not a thing for me anymore because i have had to move to the bluetooth lifestyle so like i feel less of a need for headphone jacks but if i hadn't moved then i guess i would be happier
1: about it it's like a thing i like to have but it's more so like you know i like the idea if i have it like i like I like that idea of I have a car that can do 160 miles an hour. Not that I'm really going to do that all that often. But, you know, it's one of those things like it's nice. But, I mean, I'm never going to complain about a headphone jack, right? I mean, that's always a nice feature to have. There are a few other things. So, they actually have a pretty solid spec list in some ways. So, it is powered by a slightly weak Snapdragon 730G. It can't quite compete with the Nord. And it certainly cannot compete with the Apple A13 inside the iPhone SE. It's fine. It isn't the quickest thing in the world and it is not a 90 hertz display like the nord but it does have a pretty good oled display it's a whole punch it while it is 60 hertz is a i would consider to be a good screen certainly much better and much larger than what you get on the iphone se Mm -hmm. you get pretty good battery life too so i would say that is an area where it is miles ahead of the se which i think really struggles to get through a full day of use for most people but then you're missing some things so if you look at compared to the nord you don't have 5g which is maybe not the end of the world at $350, but that is certainly a downside. Uh, the lack of 90 hertz, I think, is something which personally, for me, is a lot more noticeable because you can see that every second you use the phone, it's just smoother. But of course, the Nord is only available in some markets. It's $100 or more. And you look at compared to the iPhone SE, it doesn't have that same level of processor grunt, right? I mean, that SE feels like it is going to be just as snappy today as it will be in three, four, maybe even five years. Whereas I will be very surprised if the Pixel is holding up really well three years from now. And then you're losing some of the higher end features like the water resistance and the wireless charging on the iPhone SE. So it's like, it's interesting because all three phones, in my opinion, have like real selling points, right? They each have real advantages on why you may want to go yep. with one because it's camera, because of the price, because of the build. like there really are major differentiating features, but I think because the pixel is significantly cheaper, especially because it's got 128 gigs of storage standard, right? So if you try to spec an iPhone SE to that, it's actually a hundred dollars more that I think actually is a pretty real advantage on mm. the pixel 4a. I like that there are
0: options in this category again, you know, like when we start this yeah. episode talking about and complaining about the fact that like, you know, these new phones are nearly $1,500. It's good that you have the lower end or the mid tier with some like actual real competition again. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'll just get the iPhone SE because it's all like I one in that price range or like, Oh, I'll just get the Samsung a 29 or whatever. Right. Like, that you have actual phones that... Because, like you know, I was, think, I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, where's Samsung in this? But it's like, oh, Samsung have loads of phones in this price range, <laughs> yeah. but th- yep. they, you don't really hear about them very much. So, like, I think it's good at least that we have three phones here, which are good, and they actually have marketing budgets put behind them as well, right? So, like, yeah. they are also positioned to the world of, like, you have a good device here, which is important to a lot of people. Is this the phone, though? Like, is this the one? Like, the mm. 4a? Like, it's at this price range. Is this the one that people I, are going <sighs> to go for? I actually don't think it's crazy. Like, I, I I mean, again... I know, you see, I think you've missed my question here. Not, like, is it the right choice? And, like, is it the one that's going to sell?
1: Oh. Well, I actually, yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Pixel 3a, as far as I'm aware significantly outsold any of the pixel models from last year it well the four probably...
0: the four is bombed like they've actually discontinued <laughs> it now like as of like two days ago they they don't make them anymore they've they've made all they're gonna make and now they've pretty much sold what they're gonna sell which is less than a year after it unveiled like that's not a good look for google
1: no no i, I think it's easy to say the pixel 4 line was severely flawed and while the Pixel 3, I think, especially when you look at the XL with that huge notch, it wasn't really a very popular phone, but the Pixel 4 was just expensive and not amazing, especially when you look at like battery life and stuff. But the Pixel 3a, I think, was a good phone. It was a good price. It was a solid performance. It really kind of moved the needle in a real way for the Pixel line. Obviously, they took that seriously by continuing it with the Pixel 4a. I, I, it's tough to say. It's really tough to say. I do think this will be a successful Pixel for Google. The fact that they've lowered the price, so it's $50 cheaper than the Pixel 3a, I think is a real selling point. And the fact that they've done nothing but improve it, not massively, it's not, it's a little bit faster, which I think is probably one of the more noticeable things, but I like the design. The camera's pretty much the same, but that's still... Being pretty much the same, they were so far ahead that it's great. you got the the pure Google experience. You've got the years of updates. There's a lot going for it. I actually really like that Pixel 4a. Yeah. It's tough for me to pick one of these phones over the other because it's just so easy for me to say that, you know, there is absolutely a person in which each of these phones are great for. But you know what? When you put them all together, it's almost like, why are you going to spend more? I, I like, like, honestly, obviously we are, you know crazy people who have to review lots and lots of tech for a living we're enthusiasts no we're enthusiasts too yeah right but if you if i'm looking at pretty much anyone like literally between these three phones i think almost everyone who needs a phone which is at least good enough to sort of last you a few years are covered right the nord has the sort of more future-proof 5g it has the excellent 90 hertz display Good cameras. There's nothing really wrong with the Nord, except that it's a yeah. little hard to find. and It's a little bit more expensive. The SE, I think, is a very safe bet for pretty much everyone. iOS, great camera, excellent processor, years of updates. Really, the main issue with the SE for me is the slightly outdated design, and by slightly I mean very outdated design, and the battery life. And with the Pixel, you're losing out on some of those premium features. Like, I wish it had water resistance and wireless charging and blah 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 and 5g would be nice going into the future but at 350 dollars, i think google made all of the right trade-offs and the right decisions i'm i'm really torn i think all three phones are legitimately excellent in their own rights that google have
0: had to do like commit one of like the more awkward product launches i've seen in a while with this where like they also were like oh by the way we have two more <laughs> phones coming out like super soon <laughs>
1: Yeah, what's up with that?
0: 5 and 4a 5G. And it's rumored that they could be coming in October or at least available for pre-order in October. I mean, Mm. this is like the the kind of the weird, you know, like the 4a could end up being this like weird forgotten phone. Because the 4a 5G, like it might not be that much more, right? And, but we don't really know anything about it.
1: I think they actually did announce the 4a 5G will be $500, which is... Pretty okay. pretty steep, pretty steep compared to the $350 dollars 4 That's a big difference. Yeah, it's probably gonna be better. I, it looks like from, they only like posted like, I think like one or two teasers. It looks like it'll be a larger phone. So maybe it'll be more equivalent to like an XL. It'll almost definitely have a better, probably similar processor to what you get in the Nord. But uh, $150 upgrade on a phone of this sort of price, I think is a, that's, a, that's a big jump.
0: Apparently people are saying, uh, the, the rumors that suggest that the 4a 5G will actually be a bigger phone too. Mm-hmm. Like it will have a larger screen, so it won't, it won't just be the 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 5G chip in it that makes it more expensive. But it is just kind of funny that they're like, oh, we have another two phones come in, like, sorry. <laughs>
1: Google always does this, though, with the Pixels. Yeah. They leak so yeah. early that it's they like... Remember, was it last year? They just, like, tweet a photo of the Pixel. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it's leaked. Here you go. It was, like, months before they announced it. <laughs> they're really bad at keeping,
0: keeping things on the wrap. And, I mean, look, I think it's because, you know, the the 4A was not supposed to come out when it did. It got delayed because, I'm sure, because of coronavirus. And so they've ended up just... Putting it out there because they have it and they think they can sell some of them. And they've probably, you know, maybe they've priced it even more aggressively because of that. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're like, but we do also have other phones coming this year because there may have been a question, you know, like if they wouldn't have done this, would we have questioned if, if Google even had a phone come in towards the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Like that might have been a question that we had, right? Where it's like, well, they've announced this phone. And it's the like we're we're getting into phone season now. Like, are they going to have another one? So Mm -hmm. you know, there there will be we can assume more pixels coming out uh, before the end uh, of the year. But there was, along with some of the, because Google can't stop leaking, there was a report (laughs) that stated that. A, an internal it was a leaked internal roadmap document that kind of like laid out all of the phones that Google have got coming up and it had the 4a on it the 4a 5g the the 5 and then also for Q4 of 2021 so in about a year and change google is working on a foldable pixel called the passport ooh mm. now i mean if so i would say of course they are Right. <laughs> true, like It makes true. sense, right? Like it makes yep. sense. I'm sure every phone company is, has some kind of foldable project on the way. Um, and yeah, uh, Google have already spoken about adding more and more support for foldable phones into Android, right? That's the thing mm-hmm. for them. It's for, for, for Huawei, well, for Huawei, it's for Samsung, <laughs> it's for Oops. Microsoft, right? Like they, they spoke about adding this stuff in and it seems logical that they would go down this route themselves. I will say that I enjoy Google's uh, hardware design. I think that it's fun um, and it could be quite playful. It's not particularly elegant as such.
1: It works. It's very functional. Yes, Uh, they do good job but i don't think they're on the same sort of league as like a samsung as far as industrial design like, i think it is a little bit of a different tier
0: so i wonder what a foldable phone would look like coming from these people because you know i really think that microsoft captured the hearts and minds with the duo and the neo i think they did a really mm-hmm. good job of creating something that's functional because they didn't try and create a wild fold they just put two screens together but beautiful yeah And I'm obviously
1: keen to see any company that wants to make a foldable phone, but I don't know. Well, okay, I'm curious, Mike. If you're Google right now and you're like designing your next foldable Pixel, what decisions are you going to make? Like, what do you want to see, you know, a year and change from now when they sort of finally release it? What kind of foldable do you think that Google should really be focusing on? Is it two screens? Is it one? Is it fold style? Is it flip style?
0: Yeah, I mean passport, the name passport would suggest it is two screen foldable but not mm-hmm. flip phone, right? It's it's more like a fold than a Z flip, right? Yeah, because yeah. passport would indicate book, right? Mhm. I don't I you know I really don't I really don't know. Like it it, it, it feels like they could and probably would more easily be able to produce a dual screen device more like what Microsoft's doing than something like what Samsung is doing.
1: Do you think Samsung's going to sort of have the market cornered on foldable screens for the next foreseeable year, two years? Yeah,
0: I I, I think that they are quite clearly ahead of the game at mm-hmm. this point. Oh, of course. Um and I don't imagine that changing. I, I think we're going to see a lot more dual screen devices than we are flexible screen devices especially from a company like Google and I can again like similarly to Microsoft like these are companies that know how to make great hardware but they're not at Samsung's level
1: yeah yeah i, I for me i mean look if you're talking about the fold form factor obviously we're in the middle of 2020 so a full year from now I find it hard to believe that people are going to be able to go that much farther in that kind of sort of short amount of time to beat Samsung and where they're at already today, right? Because you've got to
0: look at what Samsung were able to do year over year, and they've made improvements. But, like, there are still issues with just the basic design of the Z Fold 2, right? The Mm -hmm. fact that there is still a gap in the screen. Yep. And they do have to keep saying to you, don't worry, this one will keep dust out. (laughs) right like these are not solved problems Mm
1: -hmm. so like
0: i just don't imagine anyone like it's why like i don't imagine apple will have a foldable phone in 2021 because they're not willing to do what samsung's willing to do which is to Mm -hmm. like iterate so aggressively in public and take risks with hardware devices right so like You know, I I imagine Samsung to continue leading the way on this because they have the ability and they also have the guts to do it.
1: I totally agree. I'm very curious to see a folding phone from literally anyone, right? I mean, even something like the Razer as sort of half-baked as that phone was still brought a lot to the table and honestly, it brought it in a design which was very different. I think
0: Samsung... They make great design. Man, I really had to search my brain for that one. I thought you were talking about, like, Razer, the gaming company. No.
1: And I was like, they <laughs> the made Moto a Razor.
0: Phone? Yeah, the, the Moto <laughs> Razer, which, you know, long may, long may it rest, yeah, I guess.
1: But, like, when you look at Samsung, I mean, they obviously make excellent hardware and they have great industrial design, but... I mean, you look at the fold, you look at the flip, they're pretty safe, right? I mean, they're yeah. not really going that far out on a limb, whereas I think the Razer, while it wasn't maybe the most elegant design in the world, it had character. It had something going for it. I'd love to see Google try to make something which is a little bit quirkier, a little bit different, right? Because we haven't really set the mold for what a folding phone has to be yet. No, and
0: and I would like to see something a little bit maybe more playful in its design.
1: Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I, all, all I have to say... Mike is that I'm incredibly happy that we have flippy phones to talk about for many, many, many more podcasts to come. What I'm less excited about is buying many, many more expensive flippy phones, but I mean, can't win them all, I guess.